Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, editor of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Camille Oaks, president and CEO of Better Safety, to get a preview of next week's EHS Daily Advisor Exchange event. And now, on to the interview. Uh, I'm joined uh, today by Camille Oaks, president and CEO of Better Safety. How's it going, Camille? I'm doing great, Jay. How are you? I'm good. Um, and as we talk now, we're, we're getting ready for the uh, EHS Daily Advisor uh, EHS Exchange coming up uh, April 4th or 6th in Arizona, and you're going to be emceeing the event. Uh, how would you describe uh, the event? Um, you know, to be honest, this is my favorite um, conference that I've been to and my favorite conference that I've spoken at. So I've done this in, I've been to Orlando and I've been to Cleveland. Um, and so I'm really excited to be going and joining you guys in Arizona. I would describe it as intimate. It is a small enough event that by the second day, um, all the attendees are close with everyone that they've met. Um, because we're doing roundtables and panels, and then the breakouts are so few in number, you really get a ton of one-on-one -on -one attention from the speakers, from the vendors that you meet with, and most importantly, you really end up connecting with the attendees. Um, I've seen people exchange numbers, and some folks come to this and bring their families as well. And I've seen them meet up with other attendees and those other attendees' family. So it's really great, especially if you are you know, working on a team of one as a safety person or HR person or whoever is attending. If you're on that team of one, you can use these few days together, really, really getting to know this massive network of people that you can become tight with and have, having the same problems that you are. Yeah, and I, I guess, you know, we've spent a couple of years cooped up and people haven't been traveling. You know, how, how important is it for safety folks to, to actually gather in person for things like this? You know, I am uh, an introvert by nature, um, so I've I've enjoyed being in my house for two years. But uh, it is there's really no no substitute for being together like this. And you know, I didn't believe that when people said it until I started getting back into the world. Um, there's no other way to connect like this, the same kind of connection that you get by spending time together. Knowledge that we share, the networking, the solutions. Oh, you're having that problem, me too. Here's what we did that worked. Oh, well, give me your number and I'll, like the, the back and forth that you get is absolutely necessary, especially in our industry to be together and be able to share like that and connect. Yeah, and you know, as great as technology like you know Zoom and Microsoft Teams and GoToMeeting are, you know, we're doing it now. But I feel yeah. like things sink in a little more when you're in person, when you're talking to somebody face to face. You know. Yeah, and it can be—it's a different kind of nerve-wracking to have a online face to face than in person face to face. I feel like you can be more yourself if you're in person and then kind of being on camera feels sometimes a little bit like a performance versus when you're really together especially if you spend a decent amount of time together you can really like be yourself and connect really with a person yeah 
than an hour here and there. Right, right. Um, one of the panel discussions that you're going to be moderating is on hybrid work. How should companies approach a hybrid model in terms of safety? Yeah, so I think about this first, I think about managers that are managing employees working from home or like remotely across the country. And that's not very different from what a lot of organizations in EHS do does now because they'll have a team that covers the whole US. Right. Um, but now that it's seeming to be a lot more permanent, um, we need to shift the the focus more on home safety and also on the idea of teaching those people that we're not encountering in person all the time, teaching them to identify hazards. So not just at home, because if you're in EHS, you're going to be going to a manufacturing plant or a construction site or distribution center. You're going to be going eventually to where work is being done. And we need to be focusing on how to teach that person who has to do that without us by their side, teaching them how to identify hazards themselves. I've done a project like that before with the remote sales force. Um, and it's really the giving them the education and the learning to identify the hazards when they're not side by side with you. The second thing I think about with that is safety pros who may themselves not be based at a site and they are doing hybrid work so i'm having i'm here but then i'm going to location i don't know that anybody in the safety profession in ehs could work from home exclusively and never go to a site i may be missing something major there but we do still need to be out on the floor wherever the work is being done so i would expect you know that high model that we had that a lot of companies had before it's it's becoming a lot more permanent and we're having to focus more on educating those people who are half at home half at a site yeah has it changed expectations you know for companies and for for leaders of what they can kind of expect from their workers I mean, I think so. I think it is in one way an organization has to accept that it's a valid ask for employees now that that I want I expect there to be hybrid work. Um, but it's also you're seeing that people are different, and some people want to be back in an office at all times and some people never ever want to come back and some people want to come on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Fridays are at home and Mondays are in the office and it's a lot to manage as a manager mm -hmm. you know that 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 much flexibility in your workforce so I think it's going to have to be a, a balance of what we can give as an organization and what our people can can ask for and, and that's I mean, hard yeah I, I mean uh I just speaking from personal experience, you know, working in an office, uh, you know, right up until March 2020, I know a lot of people, um, I guess myself included, who, you know, had never really done remote work before and now don't really want to go back, you know, right, like we still right. want to do the work. We're still working hard, but, it, right. uh, you, know, the, you know, the desire to like go to an office and do enjoy know the, the interaction with people and, you know instead of sitting in my, in my house all day I'm doing all 
But, you know, they're yeah. just, I don't know, the commute thing, I, I don't need commutes anymore. I mean, you know, I think a lot right. of people are done with that part of it. Right, absolutely. And like the, the idea that, you know, mental mental health and well-being is incredibly, I don't want to say popular, but it is on the forefront right now. And if we're asking our people to now sit through an hour and a half of traffic, depending on where you live, gas prices, and then still managing to get their kids, if that's an issue, get home to their dogs, whatever, get back and forth to all these different places. Um, it's a lot of an ask that would be the expectation before. And it's just, it's just not acceptable anymore to a large amount of people, especially because, you know, the proof is there that I could, that I can do it this right. way because it for two years. So, uh, we engage better at work, really, because it's been fine for two years. Because that was the fear, right? That, you know, people working from home, like, you know, people work from home on Fridays or something. And everybody's like, oh, they're not doing anything. They just got their feet up. Right. And, you know, right. check, you know, check right. out their computer every once in a while. And, um, right. But, you know, I mean, now we've had to do it, you know, five days a week or more for two years. And, you know, yeah. if, if you're slacking off, people are going to know. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, I think. It's more of a measurement based on results as yeah. opposed to like, you know, when you think about it, and maybe I'm outing myself here, but when you think about it, if you go into an office, by the time you get your coffee, you talk to your coworkers, you sit down, like it's already been an hour and you haven't done anything. <laughs> and then what? your lunch is an hour and a half and you talk to this person, are you really doing eight solid hours of a sit down? I don't think anybody. I mean, maybe I wasn't. You can argue that you're more efficient at home because you've got nobody. You know, maybe you've got nobody to distract you. I mean, I think for the first uh, right. six months or so, we, me, my, my whole family was at home because school was remote, and mm -hmm. my wife's a teacher, and she was working from home. But now everybody's gone, so it's just, you know, all yeah. I have to do is work and. Um, I actually yeah. find I'm getting a lot more done. So, yeah, and like the, I think that we are just in a time now where society is changing and people are a lot more accepting that everybody's different. So, is it really that terrible if you both of us are in sweatshirts right now? Like, is it, do I do less work because I'm not wearing business? Right. Like, because I'm not wearing a suit? Do I, you know, is it okay if I get up and have a cup of coffee and scroll for a little bit and come back to work? Isn't that okay? Isn't that what everybody's doing? You know, the world's just a little bit different now. Yeah, I think it's definitely. You know, there's definitely some old school bosses who have had to kind of readjust their their expectations just because it's not the same as it used to be. I mean, it's just it's a different world, so you can't really expect. All right, everybody's going to want to come back. You know, five days a week, right. eight hours a day, and do face, -face right. meetings. You know, and like, what are you really right. getting out of that? Um, you know, scenario. Like, yeah, obviously, you know, if, it's, if you're an EHS person. And you have to like be walking the floor and seeing what people are doing. Yeah. That's a lot different. Um, but yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's it's just a it's a different world. Yeah. 
speaking of leadership, uh, you know, there, that's a topic. Uh, it's never been more important uh, when it comes to workplace safety. And um, obviously, you guys will be uh, there'll be a lot of uh, roundtables sort of talking about that at the exchange. Um, how can leaders tackle all of the important topics on their plate? And you know. Just a couple that will be discussed at the exchange include safety, culture, mitigating risk, looking for talent, and then psychological health. How you know? How is that you know? How is that doable for uh, for leaders? I don't think it is. Is my answer. <laughs> okay. uh, so what I would say is um, divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. So we try in the EHS world to be generalists. Um, and I know the uh, the Safety Justice League podcast mm-hmm. just did a just did a podcast about this, about like what is what are what does it mean to be a generalist and is that the right way to do things? And I would say it's not to add all of those things to a single person's plate. So kind of that old school mentality of we're some company and we have an EHS team and we have an EHS person in the south, in the northeast, in the midwest, in the west. And every one of those is titled regional safety manager. Every one of those has to be in charge of safety culture, doing audits, investigations, teaching people how to do investigations, hiring the new safety admins, COVID-19, mental health well-being, psychological safety, and just adding to that person's plate. Not everyone can do everything. And it might be better, you know, I would say directors of those teams of safety professionals should consider a kind of different style of leadership where you're playing to a team's strength. So you've got somebody on your team who is really going to like psychological safety, mental health and well-being. They're really going to be into that. And so can't that person be the owner of it and be the leader of that, as opposed to everybody take your training in psychological safety uh, and make sure you're doing it. And then you'll have somebody who's very good at risk mitigation and physical safety of a building and ANSI standards. And that person can be your subject matter expert in that. Some people wanna be out on the floor. Some people wanna be in the boardroom. And while we all, it's been practice that like, you know, you have a a team that can do all of that. Everybody can do everything. I think it's kind of wasted effort and you do a little bit better if you had, you know, somebody who can play second base, somebody who can play a shortstop, you know, like, and those are the people that you bring in for certain things. Yeah. I mean, I guess delegating as opposed to just trying to do it all yourself. Yeah. 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 And allowing for like, you know, flexibility on your, on your team, who can do what and what do they, what are we educating them in? Yeah. Um, Another uh, session that you're going to be presenting at the exchanges on safety communications. Uh, I was wondering if uh, if you could talk about some of the main points that you're going to be discussing. Yeah, um, I really like this session. So it's called um, Communicating for Action, How to Get People to Listen to You. So, uh, you know, if, you're, if you've are if you been in the EHS world, you've spent time where you're like, is anybody even listening? Like, I, I said it and they didn't do it. And uh, 
they just don't want to they just don't want to be safe they don't care about safety and we make up all kinds of reasons but even if those are true it's still our problem like we still still have to fix it um and so that in this session it's about how to get communication that creates action so if i'm not there uh will you wear your safe is what i communicated to you enough to make you wear your safety goggles wear your ppe when i'm not there make you lift with two hands when when the safety manager isn't watching so there's a that I go over in this that says information is giving out, communication is getting through. And you know, we, we spend a lot of our time sharing information, but it's not getting through. Right. So we talk about in this session the communication loop, the sender message, um, sender receiver message and feedback. Um, we talk about self-awareness. Who are you as a communicator? What's your style? And how can you identify somebody else's communication style and kind of adapt it? So it's kind of like love languages, the principle of love languages. Like if mine is acts of service, but my partner's is uh, gifts, it's not going to help me if I get a gift from him. Right. I need him to take out the trash. That's a way. You, so it's about communicating in the style that the other person will right. receive. Um, so we talk about that, a little bit about how to design a good presentation. And it's mostly about how does an adult learn? Like, how do I, because if I'm communicating for safety, my goal is to get you to learn and then do something. So how can I adapt the way I'm communicating now, which might be a long email, it might be a presentation with an OSHA standard, 29 CFR 1910.145B2 says that you must blah, blah, blah. You know, it's probably not the best method to make a frontline worker do something. And it's definitely not the best method to make a, to try to get an executive to approve something from you. So it'll be fun. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um... Is it a different, you have to have a different approach to somebody, you know, in the same room as you, as opposed to somebody who's remote? Like, is that yeah, we talk sort of a little how you do bit, it? A little bit about that. Um, I think that'd be a much longer session if we went, <laughs> if we went deeper into it. And I also think we talked a little bit about this yesterday at the EHS Now conference, but I think it's, um, I think that we're learning now the research is happening now on what engagement virtually should be. You know, we have our ideas, but what it should be um, and how you can, how that communication can improve if you're, if I'm doing this virtual versus in-person versus distance learning, you know, an e-learning, something like that. Um, yeah, I think we're going to learn a lot about that. So for example, I teach, three day long certification prep classes. So if somebody wants to sit for the CSP, they go through a class with me and I'm helping them do that. And they're small classes, like seven to 10 people usually. And I tell them, you can keep your cameras off. It's totally up to you if you wanna keep your cameras off. Lots of organizations say, camera must be on, I have to know, it increases engagement. When the cameras are off, the most recent research says that people are more engaged hmm. and I can't see them, but the amount of participation 
is every single person is participating the entire time for three solid days. The chats are coming through. They might take themselves off mute and talk, but I know that they are listening. I know that they're being engaged, and I don't think I would get that if I demanded to see their faces. So just the way we communicate, I think, is the same. Well, Camille, thanks for the preview of the exchange. Um, looking forward to, uh, to some, some great uh, interaction with everybody, and uh, I'll see you in Arizona. Yeah. All right. See you then, Jay. Thanks. Thank you. That wraps up Episode 104 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.